Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly insight into island sport. My name is Tony Kerr and alongside me as ever is the Guernsey Press Sports Editor, Gareth Prevo. Hi Tony. Uh, great to see you, Gareth. Uh, back to reality today or this week. It's this week, Tony. Yeah, Monday evening I was out on Langcrest fo- following a, a scratch league golf match and it was literally me and I think two other spectators and compared to to Friday afternoon when there was hundreds of us out there watching Ireland Games final round. It uh, it was a bit of a come down to be fair, but uh, it, was, it was a lovely evening. So it sort of, it wasn't too downbeat. Yeah, at least the weather's good, eh? Yeah, um, yeah it is feeling rather quiet around the place, isn't it? Although I'm sure Green Army is still kind of echoing around the island and, and various halls and stages and arenas. Well, yeah, I was speaking to um, a relative of one of Guern- of Team Guernsey today, and um, they did say that uh, the atmosphere where they were, which was largely sort of badminton halls, was uh, very loud, as they put it. So uh, I think some people are quite happy to have a bit of a break from it. But uh, no, it was a terrific week, and it will live long in the memory. Yeah, we're not going to talk about it too much today. If you want some reflections on Guernsey 2023 and just what an extraordinary week it was, listen back to our special uh, review podcast. Um, the two of us sat down with Simon Delaru and Matt Fallais uh, earlier in the week to pick our moments of the games and I suppose sort of just process it all really and work out kind of what it means for Guernsey sport as a whole. So that is in uh, this feed uh, if you want to scroll back and have a listen. I kind of was expecting us to have a couple of quieter days off the back of the games. Um, uh, got a couple, Well, we both got a couple of days off later this week, but has been anything but that. Um, some really big news in football um, well, for Ireland football as a whole, the new stadium at Victoria Avenue is finally going ahead. Work begins on that this week. And we've also had the announcement from Guernsey FC about the formation of Guernsey FC women, which is clearly very, very big news um, for the women's game locally. Um, we'll chat about both of those uh, later on in the pod and, and hear from some of the key players uh, involved in those two projects. Um, but we start with some other news which uh, arrived uh, overnight tonight um, relating to the Commonwealth Games and, and quite a shock announcement from Australia. Yeah, it was, uh, I was amazed to sort of hear the morning news on the radio and the, the first thing that, that came out was that Victoria had withdrawn from hosting the Commonwealth Games in 2026 and it's and it was one of those moments where you're thinking, have I heard that right? That sounds very, very serious for sort of being so close. I mean, in the Commonwealth Games cycle, as things stand, you're sort of like a host uh, would want sort of seven years basically to get ready. And so for a host to withdraw that close to their games is very, very sort of serious, really. And um, it, it's come out of the blue for pretty much everyone, it seems. I mean, the Commonwealth Games Federation have, have issued a statement saying how hugely disappointed they were. The reasons being given by the Victoria government or the Victoria state premier is that um, the uh, the costs have ballooned to about triple what they thought they were going to be. Um, and then it's, it seems to be coming from the Commonwealth Games Federation that uh, a lot of that is because Victoria were making decisions which uh, the Federation were revising against or like adding various um, uh, locations or hubs because it was going to be a, a multi sort of centre event. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really come out of the blue and judging by the reaction of Commonwealth Games Australia, they're hugely embarrassed by it. And so you know reading between the lines you'd think they're doing their utmost to make sure that those games still go ahead in Australia somewhere but it obviously doesn't look like it's going to be Victoria. Yeah I saw some of the comments um, uh, you know on social media about the decision and about the, the state premier of Victoria <laughs> fair to say he's copying a fair amount of flack. 
Um, um, yeah, he he was very blunt in basically saying in his position he has to make the correct decisions. It doesn't necessarily have to be a popular one, but uh, I certainly don't think he's going to be very popular at the moment. Yeah, it seems to be a very Australian way of announcing yeah. it. Um, no, I mean, it, yeah, definitely a big shock. I mean, we've had a statement through from Angela Stewart, who, of course, is the new chairman of the Guernsey Commonwealth Games Association. Um, she said, um, it is a huge shock to hear the announcement today that Victoria has withdrawn from hosting the 2026 Commonwealth Games. We await information from from the Federation of what we may expect going forward, as I'm sure it is a great disappointment with the amount of work already put in between the Federation and the Organising Committee in Australia. We've been attending online meetings for some time now, preparing for the challenges that a multi-city games would bring. So it's sad that at this late stage of less than three years that we all find ourselves in this situation. Um, nothing more, she says, that they can add at this stage until they've heard from the Federation. I mean, it, as I mentioned, the, the, the sort of the... the Dual bits of football news we'll talk about later were a, a, a really positive bits of sporting news that have come out kind of straight after the, the Island Games. Um, this will be a bit of a downer for some of the athletes involved, or potentially a bit of a downer, depending on how things play out, for, for some of the athletes involved last week, who will already have been thinking, I'm sure, even just sort of getting off the, the bikes or out of the pool or whatever off the track last week. Um, sort of having one eye ahead to Australia in three years' time. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, you can well imagine that a lot of our, like you say, a lot of our top guys from Team Guernsey last week, on their agenda, almost top of that agenda, will be Victoria 2026. It's it's sort of like the pinnacle for so many Guernsey athletes to try and make to the Commonwealth Games. Um, so they'll, they'd have had that in their diaries. They'd almost be right now preparing their schedules with that in mind, you know, what they're going to be doing over the next couple of years. Certainly, you'd imagine Ala Chalmers would be sort of like, when he can next represent Guernsey on that stage, is a, it's going to be a huge thing for him. So he'd be looking at sort of how he'd, he'd build his programme leading up to that. So, um, yeah, the, uh, you know... You'd have to imagine there's going to be an answer coming relatively quickly, but I mean, how quickly can anyone sort of put their hand up and say, we'll take over as host? I mean, Birmingham did it when Durban was stripped of the rights for sort of 2022, but they had, I think, five years to prepare for that. So now we're talking, it would be perhaps two and a half years. That's very, very short notice. So it'd have to be somewhere which has got the sporting infrastructure in place and um, just pretty much how do you accommodate the amount of people that are going to descend on, on that location? Yeah, quite. I saw some people suggesting on social media that a joint Guernsey Jersey <laughs> bid. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not sure how many cruise liners would be needed to house the amount of people that would come to, to the Channel Islands or something. I mean, how great it would be to have something that big, but I don't think we're quite in the running for that. I'm sure the crowds would turn up. I'm sure they would, yeah. They'd be, they'd be um, probably far greater than the population of the Channel Islands put together turning up for that. But uh yeah, I think perhaps a more realistic option might be the one that uh, I think the basically the uh, Western Australia state capital uh, state premier put forward is basically saying Perth we will look to perhaps host it if we've got these um, these locations this facilities um, can you fit your games around what we've got and uh, that that's probably going to be the sort of way that whoever does end up hosting goes about it. Yeah, look, fingers crossed they can find a solution sooner rather than later. I mean, that was the thing about Birmingham, wasn't it? It was it was so spectacular. It, it took a lot of people by surprise, actually, how how successful it was. I think, um, and and almost kind of uh, revived the Commonwealth Games in, in some degree. Mm. Um, and you think, and you thought against the backdrop of some uncertainty that it had sort of reestablished itself as a as a sort of major event yeah. of importance. Yeah, and and the, sort of the perhaps slightly surprising thing when you sort of delve a bit deeper into the Victoria um, announcement is the fact that they're sort of still going ahead with 
it seems we're building a lot of these sports venues for their own, you know, for their own benefit of their own athletes. And it's 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 more around sort of like athletes' villages that's gonna that's caused the problem in terms of um, in terms of the costs. But uh, yeah, it, it it did come right out of the blue, and and it, it's a bit like the Island Games, but it's also that. Um, uh, somewhere wherever hosts the Commonwealth Games, you just think there must be a benefit to it. Whoever has it, and it's such a shame that somebody sort of gives up that that opportunity so so relatively close to the event. Well, let's part that one for now, and um, we'll be following it very closely. Um, but coming up in part two, we'll uh, talk about things more positive uh, closer to home uh, and another facility development. Welcome back. Our thanks once again to Upgrade Fitness for their support of the show now it's a day that the guernsey football association i think has been waiting for it's fair to say for some time about seven or eight years um now since the uh the idea of a new home for guernsey football at victoria avenue was first mooted um it has probably at times been quite torturous for them um but work begins this week or has begun this week um down at victoria avenue to construct the new stadium which will have 400 seats terraces behind both goals everything you'd expect clubhouse changing rooms offices for the gfa a training pitch as well. Um, Jim Fowler has joined us to talk about this and uh, the announcement as well earlier in the week about uh, GFC women. But we'll start with Victoria Avenue. Uh, Jim, first of all, just how pleased are you to see uh, this finally begin to take shape? Yeah, it feels like I'm revisiting my days on the GFA board. Um, uh, so I was a member of the GFA board when the uh, headquarters project was decided upon. Uh, which goes back to we had a kind of strategy away day in 2015 and that was one of the priorities that was eventually agreed and uh, blimey doesn't it take a long time to get a sports pitch uh, established in in Guernsey at times (laughs) and uh, before we hear from Gary Roberts uh, the CEO of of the Guernsey FA and Ross Allen as well who's now involved in the academy academy manager and of course still playing how much of an impact do you think it will make for, for Guernsey football? I think it's important for for the GFA to establish a base and and to look to to grow the the game there. I mean, there are Heath Robinson approaches to to managing sport across the island, right? It's, it's natural that's going to happen, but we all know from a Guernsey FA perspective, you know, when you get a cup final, sometimes you know, sometimes it's great to play at a certain ground. Other times, your final gets put in an, in another ground at another time. Doesn't quite feel right. You know, in Jersey, all the finals happen at Springfield, and it's a great, you know, everything is a great occasion for them. You know, Springfield might not be a fantastic stadium, but it kind of feels like a big deal. And hopefully, from the Guernsey FA perspective, that this will do as well. But it's much more than that. I mean, the, the Guernsey FA has to hire facilities to do training for a long time they did it since Hampson's high school on astroturf which you know in a in the winter as a howling gale goes blows down the pitch you know keeping control of the ball is hard enough let alone learning skills um you know or you know done at victoria avenue under um lights that are powered by generators yeah none of that is ideal and so here you're going to be going to something that is purpose-built uh and it won't just be for GFA and, and clubs and established footballers, the idea is supposed to be much of a community project as well. So ticks an awful lot of boxes, as it has to do, to get more than a million pounds of funding from the FA and the Football Foundation. So uh, again, the GFA have done really well to secure 
that level of backing, but it's still been uh, quite a quite an effort to to bring it over the line, as I'm sure Gary has outlined to you. Yeah, and Gareth, it's going to be the home of Guernsey FC as well, and presumably Guernsey FC women. You know, well, it's potentially two years away. They're talking about it being ready for uh, the 2025 Marathis. Um, do, do you expect the Guernsey public to kind of embrace that and and and, and sort of take it to their heart and create the atmosphere that we'd all like to see down there? Um, you'd hope so, Tony. I, I think having sort of been to those sort of uh, non-league British grounds, which uh, Gary Roberts sort of described, it, it 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 can be a much better atmosphere than sort of sitting beyond an athletics track sort of thing. You know, if you're up close and personal almost with the players, you know, and close enough to touch them, you know, sort of almost like that uh, Corbett Field atmosphere that we've seen so much in the past. It, it, um, it's very... Uh, enthusiastic it's 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 very um motivational i think for the players and yeah i I think once you get used to that sort of type of atmosphere it it can it can grow and uh i think it it will work in gfc's favor in the long run well we'll wait and see on that um but first let's hear what gary roberts had to say um i went down to victoria avenue the uh, the diggers moving in to scrape the grass away uh, as we spoke um yeah to to chat to him about the plans i started by asking him just to describe exactly what um was in the scheme a wonderful new facility for Guernsey football um, and Guernsey in general as an island. Um, so we'll have a, a 3G stadia pitch, um, nine-a-side grass training pitch, um, nice new clubhouse that the community can use. Obviously, our office will be down here as well for the association, three changing rooms. So, yeah, fantastic new facility for, for Guernsey football. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the sort of the match day experience, I suppose, for players and supporters coming down here, I mean, what, what will it be like? Uh, will it be... A kind of yeah, fully fledged kind of football stadium experience. Yeah, that that's what we've built it and designed it around is to is for everyone, spectators, um, the players, the coaches, the referees, everyone to have that traditional football experience that that everyone should have um, to enjoy the game. Yeah, awesome. And you've been um, so very keen to stress that it's it's for everyone. You want to bring the whole kind of football community together down here. How do you see it being used day to day, week to week? I'll be used by everyone, so uh, I imagine clubs will want to use it for training. Guernsey Football League, I would hope, would use it for matches as well. Um, Our academy will use it, our girls' academy, girls' play development centre, wildcat sessions, schools. The the whole football community and the wider island community hopefully will make use of the facility. Yeah, and how will you make that accessible to people? I mean, sort of cost-wise and things, is it it something that you'll have to sort of support clubs to be able to use? we will have a price point that is accessible for everyone. Um, we've benchmarked ourselves, um, comparable with other facilities on the island, and I fully expect that people will recognise that the facility is affordable and accessible. Brilliant. And it's taken a while to get here, hasn't it? It's fair to say. Just talk us through the journey and the amount of work that, that you as a Guernsey Football Association have had to put in to, to pull this off. Yeah, so this this project started um, eight years ago now. Um, it's it's been a long process, um, planning challenges to get through, finding the right facility in Victoria Avenue originally, um, and then just as we were about to start work, COVID came, um, so that brought about another couple of years delay, and obviously increased costs came about through COVID. Um, but thankfully, we've reached it. Um, we're now standing in the middle of a building site, and and it's an exciting time for Guernsey football moving forward. Yeah, and I know the hope is that the 2025 Marathi Vars final will be one of the first games played here, all being well. Um, will it be opened in kind of one phase or, or will there be a sort of phased um, introduction? It's likely to be phased. Um, we anticipate taking ownership of the site around March 2025. Um, 
and then we'll be able to make use of the facility but hopefully all being well um the marathi in 2025 will be the first real big event that we host here yeah, it's an exciting prospect. Um, and obviously, it's costing a fair bit of money. Um, the the, the funding has come from a few different sources. Can you just explain that and, and how grateful, I guess, you are to, to be able to access the funds needed to do this? Yeah, so, I mean, the project's costing £10 million. Um, um, we've been fortunate to access funding from the Football Foundation um, through the Football Association as our governing body and generous private donors. Um, it's important to make clear that this project isn't costing the taxpayers. We're receiving no money from the states of Guernsey. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's being able to access that that funding um, and having the support of private local people who want to give back to the community is a game changer for Guernsey football. Yeah, that's it. You mentioned game changer. Just finally, kind of sum up from your perspective, someone who's been involved in Guernsey football for a little while now, just what this will mean to to the sport here. I mean, it, it will it, genu genuinely, it will be transformational. Um, it's an opportunity for us to create a legacy for future generations. We can get more people playing the game, more people fit and healthy and active, create new formats of the game. Um, and it, it's an exciting time and we're all looking forward to what the future holds now. Gary Roberts there speaking to me at Victoria Avenue. I also caught up with Ross Allen, as I say, uh, still playing a course, but also academy manager for the GFA to find out what he thought about this significant milestone. Yeah, overwhelmed, I think, especially after last week. But, you know, it's really nice, obviously. Yeah, fantastic week at the Island Games. Um, disappointing, obviously, in the football. But I think this is the massive boost that um, we've needed for a while. Um, certainly, I think when I came back in 2019, I, you know, it was it was meant to be getting underway then. Um, and, you know, COVID hit. And I think um, it's just, you know, natural that things got delayed. But... To see um, work getting underway today is uh, it's, 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 it's a dream come true, really, because I think we all, we've all been um, dreaming this and hoping it's going to happen, but to see it finally start happening is, yeah, it's amazing. I guess it's going to satisfy, well, you know, the idea is it satisfy everyone in, in local football um, from the top end GFC as its new home and from an academy perspective, how much is exciting you that, that you'll have yeah, this kind of facility to, yeah, to train the next generation on? Yeah, it's, it's amazing, really. And I think, you know, you talk about the academy and the, the high end uh, elite players, but I think um, ultimately it's, it's here for everyone. Um, and I think just having this new facility, being able to offer more, you know, than we do and um, other organisations, clubs being able to use it as well. Um, just means everyone's doing more, playing more, more people involved. Um, and that just raises the level across across it all. And, and ultimately, you know, looking at where I'm at with the academy and GFC and Guernsey Rep Football, um, we'll get more players coming through. That, that's the ultimate aim, you know, for me, trying to get as many good players that we can to help support our, our, our teams. But in the meantime, you know, those lower levels will have so many more kids hopefully enjoying football and getting involved. Yeah, and between this and the Aztec uh, arena, there's a lot of investment in football facilities going on. Um, I mean, for someone who obviously cares deeply about Guernsey football, how encouraging is it to you that, that there is that backing for the sport and, and you know, hopefully a, a bright future? Yeah, it's massive. I think we, like I said, we, I think we've needed something. We need an injection. GFC was brilliant um, 12 years ago to, to give, you know, something else for... Uh, kids to aspire to um, and the current crop of players to to get involved in um, and and since then we've plateaued is probably the word you, you know in all honesty I think we haven't had that next stage um, brilliant that we've got the the link with Bristol City and I think some of those players going off and Alex obviously being such a good role model um, has helped you know 
push on players, but I think we, we need the facilities to back that up. Um, and like you say, these two venues are incredible. We're, we're so fortunate. I think, you know, even even this year, you, you go down to Aztec and you always feel like you take it for granted, but it's incredible that we've got that and the, the, the kids using it. You're just going to see such improvements, I think, over the next few years, um, players coming through and pushing on. Um, and as coaches, we've got to we've got to support that. But to have a facility like this to to do that in, um, yeah, it will just be amazing from a coaching point of view. And obviously, still being a player, I understand how amazing it's going to be to be out there. Yeah, and I know the hope is for it to be ready in time for the 2025 Ratty Vars final. Do you think you'll still be uh, in the mix to try and score that first goal here? I don't know. Yeah, I think you need to give me a bit of rest, Tone. But I think. Um, no, it's incredible. I've I've got a massive boost from Island Games in the last week. Realizing, you know, you do the training, you look after your body, um, um, what you can sort of get through, and age is but a number, really. So, yeah, for for me, it's it's something to sort of hang on to a little bit in terms of playing. But I think, um, and definitely a couple of years ago, you know, the playing side of it was was my you know more where my attention was. But now, like I say, for the coaching, it, it just yeah, it's going to provide so many good opportunities and and just back up everything that we can try and provide. Um, but yeah, I think for a club like GFC, it's just going to be massive to finally have your home ground with a bar, clubhouse, all that, you know, just to kind of raise um, the impact of, of a community venue. Um, and then for all the rep sides, like you say, junior Marathis, uh, you know, men's and women's Marathis, it's just, uh, yeah, it'll be so nice to have a place that we can call home. Ross Allen speaking to me there. Yeah, not long to go until GFC return to action. Um, yeah, a busy summer for Guernsey's top footballers. Um, but yeah, something really to look forward to there with work starting at Victoria Avenue. Uh, we will, of course, um, be following every step of the way here at the Guernsey Press. And that is not the only good news for Guernsey football this week because um, an announcement came at GFC's uh, end of season slash 10th anniversary dinner on Sunday night that the club will be forming a women's side um, with the hope of playing uh, a number of matches this season and then joining an English league uh, the season after or the season after that. Um, sort of the latest I suppose development uh, in women's football going back a few years there have been as we the sort of expression I keep using is the, the number of stop starts we've had because have been some full storms again Jim <laughs> something you've been heavily involved in uh, developing women's football here do you think this is finally the the moment to, to kind of celebrate a, as, a, as a real opportunity to drive the game forward? Uh, if it's not Tony then I think it's a real uh, matter of, of concern you know we've spent so long trying to um work to, to lift women's football um up uh, you know i remember going to see some women's games in jersey in 2015 in the island games and actually the performances weren't bad to recall that we lost but kind of the way that we were losing most of the games last week you know we're pretty close putting on a re- relatively decent show uh and it's just frustrating that things you know have never really got off the ground since then you know it's always been one step forward two steps back two steps forward one step back um you know maybe the channel islands league which we started in 2019 might have been a salvation in the end that covid put paid to that um that was a struggle and, and really a demonstration of how difficult this is when you haven't got any domestic structure as i'm sure women's rugby would would tell you you know how what are you going to do you've got to play if you want to play sport you've got to play games right you just cannot simply train all the time and so i really hope that um 
that GFC and, and whatever financial backing is involved there to allow people to or women to, to play games is, is, is going to work. You know, long felt ever since the local league collapsed in what, 2015, 2016, one club at the moment, while you're trying to build a player base, has got to be the way forward. Then at least you can train with meaningful numbers. Right? You know, you were having a situation where you had, well, I think, four teams in a domestic league. A training session was like four people huddled under one floodlight. You know, how meaningful is that? You've got to have a rump of players that you know that, that is able to take you forward. Clearly, this squad at the moment has got quite a bit of ability and offer a lot, a lot of young talent in it. It's got to be the progression to go forward. So there's a lot to, a lot to be positive about. In, uh, in in women's football at the moment just needs I think a little bit of stability a little bit of progression and some stickability really you know I'd love to see where we are in 12 months time and uh, you know, and be all guns blazing they've played a lot of games got better and next season they're really looking to uh, you know, to step forward and uh, I really hope that's the end result yeah Gareth it does seem like perfect timing doesn't it off the back of the Island Games last week with great support the Corbett Field um, with Anna Govine and Katie Watson coming in. Um, it seems like things have really fallen into place kind of all of a sudden. Well, yeah, it's, um, it's certainly what's needed. To, I mean, as Jim alludes to, you just need that carrot, don't you? For, for anyone playing sport, um, the, the opportunities is what you're really looking for. And that, there hasn't really been that sort of opportunity uh, on a consistent basis for our women footballers. I mean, unfortunately, COVID didn't help with the CR League situation, obviously. But now, especially when you've got um, things happening off the back of Mayor Letitia doing so well as well, you know, you've got that um, that motivation, that that sort of guiding light almost for these kids to show what is um, available to them. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's great for Guernsey FC to show the commitment to introduce a women's side. And I'm pretty sure it'll be um, very well backed right from the off. Well, let's hear what that new coaching team uh, had to say. Um, Harry Jones caught up with Anna Govine and Katie Watson earlier in the week. First off, how exciting is it to be, you know, the head coach of this new project? Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. I'm really proud to be asked to to do something like this, something new, and for the women's game, which is something that I've always wanted to give something back to. Yeah, obviously you've all worked at the Island Games the last the last week. Amazing crowds down at all the Guernsey games. So. How good is this timing now, going straight into having the Green Lionesses? Yeah, um, it couldn't be better timing. Um, you know, this was in the pipeline before, obviously, the Island Games, but um, that just really helped just to push the exposure of the women's game before we've spoken about this. So um, it couldn't be better. And now people have seen us playing. It just, you can relate to it a little bit more than had they not seen us, it'd have been like, oh, who's involved and things like that. But no, they've seen the girls that are, are there already and hopefully we'll get a few more. Yeah. And what would you say are sort of the main aims and ambitions of um, of the next few years, if you've, if you've thought, sort of thought about that? Yeah, well, we want competitive fixtures. We want the girls to improve. Um, yeah, we want to win the Marathi. Um, we want to compete in Island Games for medals. That's you know that's what everybody is driven towards. Um, but it's just to raise the profile of women playing football in Guernsey as well, um, and to challenge us as coaches and have some new experiences and memories to draw on. And how important is it for you know young girls right at the very early ages to have something to aspire to clearly in the future of playing for a team like the Green Lionesses? It's really important. Um, we're training some girls in the academy at the moment and we really need to, them to see that there is something to work towards. And I think some of them are, are really trying hard to, to follow Mayor's footsteps. So um, this might help them along the way. 
you know, obviously since you've known about the project for a little while how good was it last week to see so many people coming out in support of you know the Guernsey women's team at the Island Games women's football in general at the Island Games you know the growth's been amazing yeah it's really good um I don't think from playing and coaching um I've ever had that many people watching a game so um even the girls are saying on the pitch we can't hear you we're like we're not used to being able to have to communicate with them um, hundred a couple of hundred people watching it's uh, the noise was really really good and yeah a bit difficult for us to get the messages across the pitch but yeah it was a great experience and how excited are the girls and you know the whole squad and everyone involved to get going uh, they can't wait I, d I think I don't think they really want a break I think they're they're itching to go but yeah we'll, we'll give them a week or two off and then get going again <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks for speaking to us, Katie. Uh, same question I asked the, uh, the other two before. Um, how exciting is it from your perspective, this whole project? Yeah, yeah, obviously really exciting um, to be part of a already established club. Um, yeah, and just can't wait to get, get going, really. Yeah, and how good? Yeah, and um, from your perspective, how did it, you know, come about the project and, um, of course, your involvement? Uh, yeah, so obviously um, Anna and I uh, joined Scott to, to be part of the representative team um, and then that led to conversations with Tony and, and with GFC about what what it could look like going forward for Guernsey women um, and it all stemmed from there really. Yeah, and has it been, has it been impressive for you being by, by the growth in the last few years of course with the Island Games uh, last week and now of course the announcement of the Green the Green Lioness? Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, we've worked with this this squad for a little while now, and I used to pl I played with them last year as well. So, um, you know, we we know that the talents out there, and um, I think you mentioned before to Anna and Scott about the young players that we've got in our squad. You know, they are really really good players, and um, there's some really good youngsters coming through as well. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, how much how much potential do you think there is in in this squad? Obviously, with so many there are so many young players, so many teenagers featuring last week in the Island Games. Yeah, there's there's obviously a lot of potential and potential going forward as well. You know, we've got girls that 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 want to follow Mayor's footsteps in the future, so um, they need a platform to be able to show that. Um, and hopefully, this is an, another another platform for them to be able to do it in. Yeah. And what are your hopes and expectations for the next few years for the club as a whole? Um, so obviously, the first year getting it up and running, making sure that um, you know we're sustainable and and can um, then hopefully enter a league either the next season or the season after. And yeah, just obviously we need to find our level. Um, and once we found that, just challenging the girls a bit more to see what level we can reach to. Yeah, and how much improvement do you think we can see from the girls playing week in week out, or at least you know going away playing in cup competitions on a more regular basis? I think we've already seen massive improvement from when we played in the Marathi, um, just having those training sessions with them, getting them away to the UK to play back-to-back -back games. And now obviously the Island Games, I think between the Marathi and the last game of the Island Games, there was massive improvement. Um, people understanding their, their roles within the team a little bit better. Um, yeah, it's just been an all-round improvement really. So that's only going to improve going forward with, with more games. Yeah, so how exciting is it for you now? Obviously, been involved been involved for quite a while in um, Guernsey women's football after a bit of a stop start period for you know to be wearing Guernsey FC kit now and you know the future that lies ahead. Yeah, um, obviously, like you say, it's been stop start. We've had um, Guernsey Ladies Football Club, we've had Orma, and then for a period there was actually nothing. Um, when we were, when we were younger playing football, that you know there was eight or nine teams in the league, so. Um, you know we're gonna we're gonna hope to aspire to get that back as well but um yeah at the moment just for those top end girls at the moment we're really looking forward to to getting them um some challenge challenging games
Katie Watson and Anna Govine up speaking to Harry there. And he also spoke to Nick Legg, one of the directors at Guernsey FC, about the support that will be coming uh, the women's way from the club as a whole. Obviously, I've known about this for a while. And I think, you know, the Marathi coming back was fantastic. But uh, I couldn't help but think watching that, you know, after, you know, the girls played so well in that game in, in terms of, you know, the, the, the preparation that they had compared to the Jersey side. Um, and then it, it just felt awful that perhaps they felt that they had nothing after that, after the Island Games. But they've had the Island Games and now they know it's a springboard to a, to a greater future, to a greener future, if you like. And um, I think, you know, we're looking for fixtures now and cup competitions, but they know down the line that they're going to be in a league just like the men's team. Um, and the people that joined us last night to look back on 10 seasons of Guernsey FC, hopefully that inspired them to know they're going to be part of a fantastic football club and a fantastic journey and, and a community that will really support them. I think, you know, what we're hoping to do is, is really find where we are as a football club. Um, it's, it's brand new, you know, it doesn't exist a bit like where we were, um, you know, when we started Guernsey FC, the, the men were all playing for clubs. So we knew what ability they had um, and they, they were used to doing that. This is this is different. You know, the girls have to find their level. Um, and that's why cup games to start with will be a, a great kind of guys of where they are. Um, then going into the, our next season, hopefully in a league um, and to really find our feet. But it's going to take time and we, we need patience and we need support and we need people to really back the project because... You know, football is about results, but this football club is going to be about looking at the bigger picture and giving people that opportunity. So, you know, we've got to remember when the men's team started, it was a golden generation. What we're doing here is we're starting starting that and uh, people really need to support it. Nick Legg speaking to Harry Jones there. Um, yeah, really good news. Um, we will, of course, have much more coverage um, ahead of their first game, whenever it is. Hopefully it won't be before too long. I'm sure they'll be in training pretty soon. I think the idea is to get them together uh, once a week for the time being and, um, and yeah, build towards some sort of friendly games this season to work out where the level is and potentially enter some cup competitions as well. I think some kind of domestic uh, football structure is also really important. At the end of the day, Women's football is, you know, should be a simple game, should be a participation game, should be a numbers game. Um, and so while I don't think you necessarily see seven, eight, nine clubs, three or four clubs has got to be feasible. And, uh, you know, and I've repeatedly said women's football doesn't have to be people's number one, one and only sport. How many people play netball and play something else as well? Why can't people do football as well? If you've got the product that is uh, desirable, uh, you know, people want to be enthusiastic about it and gives you some consistency in delivery, uh, what's not to like? So I think, you know, as well as as well as trying to develop your elite island squad, and let's face it, you know, it's not at the moment, not too difficult to get yourself into that running, but even so, they need to have a product that uh, will encourage people to play for social and enjoyment reasons. And that is how you build a sport. Yeah, well, it's great news, isn't it, for... Uh, football in general uh, lots to celebrate this week after the relative disappointment of the island games last week so that's great to see um, and with the island games behind us gareth it is as we said at the top to so back to reality and it's pretty full schedule of stuff happening over the next week or two yeah it's um looking back at our diary and i'm thinking i'm oh, surely nobody's going to be out doing sport for the next few days but uh we've got the the excitement of the national hill climb coming up this weekend which is always one of the highlights of the of the calendar and if the weather is set fair, you'd imagine there'd be some pretty quick times. I wonder if uh, the, the hill record might go at Val d'Ateres. That, that's always a big occasion if that happens. 
Um, but yeah, we're back to sort of full schedule, sort of cricket going ahead and um, we've got the All-Terrain Challenge starting at the weekend, which is obviously a really popular event. And um, I'm sure we'll see probably hundreds of people taking to the roads and the cross countries and what have you running in that. So um, there's a lot coming up uh, over the, the next few days and weeks. The return to normality is quite amazing, isn't it? I was with Gareth late on Friday night uh pondering the weekend sports and uh gareth, to be in fair, the office can i yeah. just uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair gareth was saying he hadn't put a single thought into what was happening in the weekend and all he had uh, to fill five pages was 150 words <laughs> at that point so uh, congratulations on doing so gareth and and indeed moving forward amazing how how quickly things uh, come back to life uh, and uh, normality resumes absolutely well we'll be back next week with another guernsey press sport podcast uh, to round it up um thanks once again to upgrade fitness for their support of the show and do of course pick up a guernsey press uh, pick up a paper six days a week for comprehensive coverage of everything happening in guernsey sport um it really is a must read every day um don't forget as well follow us on social media at gsy press sport the place to go um for updates uh, through the course of the week uh thanks very much guys see you next time cheers honey. <laughs>